This summer, we've been doing a series on the greatest stories ever told, the parables of Jesus, and obviously we're continuing that. We're going to continue throughout the summer. There are a number of parables, obviously, that Jesus told. We've talked along the way about why he told them, and um, he told them so people could understand the spiritual truths that he was trying to convey, not only to the disciples, but to those who were beginning to follow him, and then obviously for us as well. The sermon I gave last night is not the sermon I'm giving this morning, because I was, I was driving home last night, and it just didn't feel right. And sometimes you need to listen to that voice. I think, you know, a lot of times we feel that God speaks to us, or we think that we're supposed to hear this voice from heaven. But to me, it was clear that where I had gone with the sermon last night, and actually what I preached wasn't wrong. It just wasn't what I needed to preach. And um, I thought about that. And then I, I you know, what, what I felt God was leading me to say, I wanted to make sure I wasn't off base. And so I'm not a night person. I had to do, get up earlier this morning and, and do that and dig into it. And then I found that indeed where other uh, biblical scholars had gone was not a place I wasn't going. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and so we're looking at two parables that Dale read from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Three verses, two parables. And I want to start out with asking you a question, and that is this question, what makes someone valuable? What makes someone valuable? Can you give me some examples? What makes somebody valuable? What if it's in the work world? What makes somebody valuable in the work world? Uh, uh, skills, okay. A big heart. Interesting, okay. Leadership, integrity. What about in marriage? What makes somebody valuable? Faithfulness? Loyalty? What about in friendship? Some of the same things, maybe? I'm a little surprised. I mean, what about in the eyes of society in general? What would make somebody valuable? Make a difference? Oh, Lynn and I agree. I was surprised somebody hadn't said this yet. Let me take that cue. I was reading about some people. The first one I'll share with you, her name is Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, this article is from um, moneywise.com. Elizabeth Holmes made a name for herself as the CEO of a startup called Theranos. Some of you have heard of that. It promised to revolutionize healthcare with a simple and inexpensive blood test. Forbes named Holmes the youngest and wealthiest female entrepreneur back around 2015 or 2014. At that time, Forbes revised her net worth or, or said her net worth was $4.5 billion. Was she valuable? 
But in 2016, Theranos' blood tests were revealed to be a massive fraud. And Holmes was made to pay a $500,000 fine, return her shares to the company, and Forbes revised her net worth down to zero. Was Elizabeth Holmes valuable? Anybody ever hear of Sean Quinn? I had not. Sean Quinn, in 2008, was the richest man in Ireland, worth $6 billion. His company, the Quinn Group, was into mining, manufacturing, and insurance. Quinn got into trouble when he tried to dabble in banking. He built up a 25% stake in the Anglo-Irish bank using mostly borrowed money, and when the bank turned, or when the bank tanked during the financial crisis, Quinn wound up $4 billion in the red. From $6 billion plus to $4 billion minus. By 2011, he'd filed for bankruptcy. He was served 30 court orders to stop illegally selling the company's assets to improve returns for investors, and he was jailed in 2012. Was Sean Quinn valuable? Aubrey McClendon made his fortune as a fracting pioneer and grew his company Chesapeake Energy into the second largest natural gas producer in America. In 2008, McClendon had a net worth of more than $3 billion and lived a lavish lifestyle. In 2016, things unraveled overnight when federal prosecutors accused him of violating several antitrust laws. One day after the indictment, he crashed his car at 78 miles an hour and died on impact. By some accounts, he left behind so much debt that he died broke. Was Aubrey McClendon valuable? Think about that. I think it, it depends how we define things, right? Are we defining things through um, the eyes of the world, or are we defining things through God's eyes, Jesus' eyes? In this Bible lesson that Dale read, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, and he says it's like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And then he said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it and bought it. What I said last night that wasn't wrong just to give you a glimpse of it, was the way that a lot of preachers, including myself in the past, have talked about these two parables, is that it's worth everything on our part to get the kingdom of God. Have you ever heard it said like that? That we should be willing to give up everything. And I would say that's true. But that's one side of interpreting the parable. The parables, because they're both saying the same thing. They're saying that 
Jesus is saying, by the way, this is recorded in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was Jewish, and he doesn't say the kingdom of God because as a Jew, he was very respective of God's name. And so it's well assumed by biblical scholars that he meant the kingdom of God like we see in other places in the New Testament. He just happened to say the kingdom of heaven. Same thing, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, okay? But the way I had heard it, the way I've preached it before was that when we come across the kingdom of God, when we're exposed to it, that we should understand that it is worth more than anything else. And it's worth obtaining, if you will. And I agree with that. If I didn't, it'd be kind of silly to do what I do. But there's another side to it, and that's the side to it I want to go to for a little bit today. But first, let's talk a little bit more about the kingdom of heaven. In John 18, 36, Jesus said, read it with me, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. The kingdom of heaven is like. Then in Romans 14, Paul writes, read it with me, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. With that in mind, let me ask a variation of the first question, and it is, who is valuable to Jesus? Oh, even Aubrey McLennan after he lost his billions? Yeah. Even Ms. Holmes after she lost and deceived people? Is she? Yeah. And Sean Quinn? Yeah. Who is valuable to Jesus? You see, it's easy to take out verses 44 through 46 and look at them separately, and if we do that, and I was guilty of doing that, then I only see the part where we should be willing to give up everything to pay a great price in order to get God's kingdom. But the reality is we can't buy it. How would we? People have tried. If you were here on 4th of July when Pastor Ray Reeder was preaching, he said, I tried. He was at Community Lutheran at the time gave a lot of money that he was making through drugs in order to buy forgiveness. Doesn't work. Doesn't work that way. Who is valuable to Jesus? Let's go to something else Jesus said in Matthew's gospel. It's a little after these parables, but read it with me. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look after the one that wandered off. I mean, if I was a business person, I would calculate and say, you know, I'm not sure it's worth going after that one. That's only 1%. And it might cost me a lot in order to get that one. And I still got 99% to worry about. But the kingdom of heaven doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. Jesus said what? If I can paraphrase, everyone is so valuable to me, to Jesus, 
that if one of them gets off track, what's he going to do? Go after them. The Bible says that there's tremendous rejoicing in heaven over one who comes to God. And so it kind of throws the economy in opposite direction from what we're used to because Jesus is saying is that everybody is of tremendous value to him. And it's that context then that we have to look at these two parables. All right? And so the question could also be asked like this, how much are you worth to Jesus? So a lot of biblical scholars say that really what he's saying, especially in the context of the other parables in Matthew 13, is that the, let's read it again. The kingdom of heaven, it's in your bulletin, by the way, under sermon outline. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Hear it this way. It's Jesus who has found the treasure, and the treasure is you. It's you. And what does he do? Sells everything he has to buy the field. Because earlier in Matthew's Gospel, he says the field is the world. And so it's connected into that. And you're in the world, right? And he says that he's found you. And now he's going to buy you. How much are you worth to Jesus? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Who's the merchant? Jesus is. Who's the pearl? You are. You are. How much are you worth to Jesus? Everything. That's what I believe God was wanting me to tell you this morning. Not because I'm so smart, because I wasn't that smart last night. I'm going to have to give them a corrected version next Saturday. And like I said, what I said isn't inaccurate, what I said last night, but it's not the whole picture. Well, I've never heard it like that again Pastor, before, Pastor Scott. Well, let's look at a couple other Bible verses. Titus 2, 14. He, Jesus, gave himself for us so that he might pay what? The price to free us from all evil and to make us pure people who belong only to him. What price did he pay? Paid with his life. He gave everything. For who? For you. For you. Because he loves you that much. Paul in Ephesians said, In Christ we are set free by the blood of whose death? His death. So we might have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace? 
You see, I think the problem most all of us have is that we know how undeserving we are. We know we're not perfect. We know that there's sin in our lives. We know that we make mistakes. We know that we blow it. I know that I can come in here and preach on Sunday morning and walk out and get in traffic and have some very bad thoughts. Very unchristian comments. It's very easy for us to fall into the trap of saying, I'm worthless. And apart from Christ, probably true. But it's not how Jesus sees you. It's not how God sees you. It doesn't matter if you've made billions and lost it or you've made billions and kept it. It doesn't matter if you have no money. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't, I mean, matter in the sense of his love for you because there's nothing that can separate you from God's love, Paul says. Nothing. And I really think that when we understand these two parables found in those three verses in Matthew's gospel, that it starts opening up a whole new vision of how, how magnificent, how wonderful, how encompassing his love is for all of his kids. I mean, think about it. Let me read them again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when Jesus finds you in his joy, he will give everything in order to buy the field to get you. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like Jesus in search of fine pearls. And when he finds one of great value, and by the way, how much value are you to him? Tremendous value. He'll do everything to get you. Everything. It's what that 99 and 1 story's about. If you're lost, he's coming after you. If you go astray, he's going to keep dogging you. If you don't think you're worthy, he's going to say you're wrong. That's what I think I needed to hear, and I think maybe you needed to hear this morning, too. Look at these parables differently. Take them home, read them, use that sermon outline, think about it, because I think there's something there for all of us. What does it mean for you? I'm not sure. I think it's going to be different for each and every one of you. But what I do know for sure is that you are loved more than you will ever understand. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for everyone who's here this morning. I think there are quite a few people here or watching online who think they have no value to you. 
And that's not what your word says. And so I would pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits, just drawing us closer to you. Help that love that you have for us be so infectious that we just cannot let it go. Because you're not going to let go of us. And so thank you that you told stories that we can claim as our own. And thank you that you paid a price that only you could pay for each and every one of us. And we pray in your name. Amen.